Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. I can't believe it's May 2nd already, but here we are, Wednesday, May 2nd. I hope everyone had a great week. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I was sitting a couple days ago looking up, uh, what am I going to do for this show? And I decided I was going to tell you some of my stories, and I call them war stories. Some of them are funny. Some of them are not so funny. Some of them are quite serious, actually. Uh, but just things that have happened to me looking at jobs, dealing with customers, et cetera, et cetera, over the years. However, I do want to hear your war stories. So if you've got a story uh, that has to be, you know, doesn't have to be funny, just uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, story that you may think our listeners may want to hear, then go ahead and give us a call at 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. Be more than happy to entertain that. Uh, if you feel like writing and you want to do, uh, send me an email. Go ahead and send an email to F. Houston, that's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. And also I'm online here uh, on Facebook, so go ahead and search for Stone Forensics, and you can send me an instant message, as some of you have done in the past. And I'd be more than happy to uh, entertain you there as well. You know, and, and we don't only need war stories today. I mean, if we have any other questions, if you have any issues any problems or comments concerning stone tile, whether it's restoration, maintenance, fabrication, installation, uh, whatever it has to do with stone and tile, uh, this is the place to discuss it. Uh, this is the place to get your problem solved, hopefully. If I don't know the answer, I will definitely find the answer for you. So go ahead and uh, uh, go ahead and give us a call. You know, I, I would sit in here. Uh, a little earlier, writing down some of my some of my stories, and I said, you know, how, how many do I have? I, I really don't know. And as you, some of you are aware, I do write the Stone Detective for the Slippery Rock Gazette, and I'm in excess of 100 stories right now. And all those stories, for those of you that don't know, are based on true stories. Of course, I change the names, I change the locations, and I kind of ad lib a little bit and um, add a little humor to that as well. So uh, some of these that I'm going to talk about today are from those stories. Others are not. Um, but before you let me mention first, I have a historic stone seminar coming up on June 16th. It's a webinar seminar, which means you don't have to leave your home. You don't have to get on the plane. You don't have to rent a hotel. Um, you can sit in front of your computer in your underwear if you wish and uh, go ahead and attend the stone restoration or stone historic restoration seminar we'll be discussing how to deal with architects how to get started in stone historic stone restoration some of the techniques some of the vocabularies and some of the important things you need to know so if you're in the restoration business already and you're looking to expand into the historic stone restoration this is definitely a must attend. Uh, I've given this seminar in the past, but it's been a several years. Uh, it's a very lucrative end of the stone restoration business. So go ahead and if you want some more information on it, either go to my Facebook page, uh, my website, which is stoneforensics.com, or simply just send me an email at fhouston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. All right, where do we start? I have lots and lots of interesting stories. Let me, um, 
I guess I'm going to start with a, a funny one, or what I thought was a funny one. And this has to do with a with a deposition that I had done a, a few years ago. Actually, probably now, more than a few years ago. But it's kind of funny, but there's a lesson involved here as well. So let me get into the story and tell you what happened. I received a call from a major department store, which I will not mention the name, and a very high-end department store. And they said they had a travertine floor on their West Coast, in one of their West Coast facilities, and it was bubbling. And I said, okay, what do you mean by bubbling? They said, well, you know, the store manager said it was bubbling and falling apart. And first thing I thought, okay, it's travertine. Chances are it's got some fillers in it. Fillers are popping out, needs to be filled. And basically I said, well, it sounds like uh, basically, all you need to do is call a stone restoration guy, have him come in there, hone the floor, refill it, patch those bad areas, and repolish, and you'll be good to go. And they said, could you put that in writing? And I said, sure, not a problem. I'll go ahead and uh, put a letter together. And I did. About six months went by, and I received another call from the same individual and said, you know, we really haven't solved this problem yet. We haven't called another contractor, restoration contractor in. We want you to go out there and take a look at this and make sure that's what we want to do. So I said, fine. So I got on a plane. It's about a four-and-a-half, five-hour flight. Uh, I get off the plane, rent my car, and go out to the facility, and I walk into this department store, and I'm looking at the floor, and – there's no travertine. I can't see travertine anywhere. All I do see is what is known as a agglomerate floor. And so I'm sitting there waiting for the manager. Finally, the manager comes up, and I'm thinking maybe there's a section that has travertine. Maybe it's in the beauty part of the of the store or wherever. So I wait for the manager, and uh, she comes up, and I introduce myself, and I said, I'm here to look at the travertine floor and the issues you have. And she goes, well, you're standing on it. And I, I look down, and lo and behold, it's not a travertine floor. They said it was. It was an agglomerate floor. So I go back to my office, fly back after staying the night, and I write my report, which basically says that this particular material cannot be repaired. It needs to be removed and replaced. Now, before I tell you why that's important, um, let me tell you why it needs to be replaced. Uh, agglomerates are made of polyester resins and they're made with, you know, real stone. In this case, it was a marble. And the janitorial company had gone in and there was a coating on this floor and they stripped it off and they used a stripper, a high alkaline stripper. And basically what they did is let it sit and then they went to lunch. Well, the stripper, being alkaline, soaks into the pores of the material, starts eating away not only the polyester, but now it's embedded into the stone itself. So now when they come back and finish their stripping job, what happens is they're not able to rinse all that stripper out of there. So what happens is the stripper starts to crystallize over time. It gets, builds up these little tiny crystals, and the stone starts swallowing and breaking apart. Once that happens, especially to the degree that this happens, it's very, very difficult uh, to repair. So it's replacement. So. Story's not done yet. So I go back and I write my report and I say that this particular material cannot be repaired. It needs to be replaced. Another six months or so goes down the line and I get a call from the gentleman I talked with, attorney. And they said, we are, based on your report, we are suing the janitorial company for incompetence, for not doing the job properly and ruining the stone. Okay, fine. I don't have a problem with that. And... 
Oh, a few months later, they say it's time for your deposition. So we go into my deposition, and for those of you that don't know what a deposition is, it's basically where they come in and they grill you for several hours in some cases and ask you questions, basically to find out what you're going to say in a court of law if it goes that far. So we get in a deposition, and without going into details, they go through all the basic stuff, my qualifications, et cetera, et cetera, and they get to this question. And the question is, Mr. Houston, do you think this floor needs to be replaced or can it be repaired? And I politely say, no, it needs to be replaced. There's no way you can repair this. And they must have asked me that question at least eight times in eight different ways. Are you sure? Are you sure? You mean you can't repair it with a resin? You can't repair it by filling it? I said, no, you can't. So the attorney has this kind of smirk on his face and he reaches in his folder and he pulls out my first report. And remember, my first report was based on a question, uh, based on not seeing it, obviously, and based on the fact that this is a travertine floor. And he puts that in front of me and he says, doesn't this say in this report, your very, very first report, that this could be repaired and this is how you repair it? I go, yes, that's, that is. So he pulls out my second report, which now says that it can't be repaired and it has to be replaced. And he says, now, he says, we have differing opinions here, and, and they're both your opinions. Um, can you tell me which one of these is right? Can it be repaired? Or, and I said, oh, they're both 100% accurate. And he looks at me with this kind of puzzling look, and he says, how can that possibly be? And I said to him, well, and I told him the story I just told you. When they called me, they said it was travertine. When I got out there, it's now on a glomer. If it was travertine, it may have been repairable. Since it's not travertine and it's an agglomerate, I had to explain what an agglomerate was. It can't be repaired. He must have sat there for, it seemed like hours, but it was probably a couple of, couple of a minute maybe. And he's looking through his notes, looking through his notes. And uh, he looks up at me and says, no more questions. <laughs> we got out of the deposition. My attorney says, boy, that was really good. Now, the lesson there is the obvious with the stripper, you know, not to use that, making sure you rinse it, et cetera, et cetera. But the more important lesson there is, is that, you know, you are the expert. You are the person that is the stone and tile expert. Uh, the attorney is not. The attorney had no idea what the difference was between travertine on the glomer. All he saw was a, was a stone. So to make a long story short, they ended up settling um, out of uh, out of court. So, I won, and it ended up being an interesting story. Uh, why we're on the storyline, I'll, I'll tell you probably perhaps my favorite story that happened many, many years ago. And this was a, a case that happened to go to court, and it was a slipfall case. And I know I promised that one of these shows I'm going to do an entire show on slipfall and how to prevent it, how to measure it, and all that kind of stuff. But for right now, I'll just talk about the story. And, and what the story was, this lady went in. She slipped on a hotel lobby floor. It was a marble floor. She injured herself pretty bad. Uh, and she ended up suing the, um, the the maintenance people, the hotel, actually, the, which was in-house maintenance. But they sued the hotel. Well, we went all the way through depositions, the whole process, the legal process or whatever, and it comes to court time. Now, we're talking your typical, you know, L.A. law, Perry Mason type scenario. We had a full jury, attorneys, et cetera, and I get my turn on the stand. 
and their lawyer for uh, the I, I was representing a lady that fell. Um, the lawyer that was representing the uh, hotel was this young attorney. He was wearing a three thousand dollar Italian made suit. His hair was slicked back. Typical you know, strutting this stuff on the courtroom floor. He's dancing around the courtroom floor, acting, you know, like, like, you know, I, yeah, I'm sure you get the picture. And he throws a photograph up on the, on the easel there. And it's a picture of the lobby of the hotel. And he says, do you recognize that lobby floor? And I said, yeah, that's the such and such hotel and such and such a place. And um, he says, now, uh, you did an inspection there. I said, yes. And he says, now, can you tell me, do you know how old that marble is? And I paused for a moment and I said it just like this without a smirk on my face. I said, I can't tell you the exact age, but I can guess and give you an educated guess. And he said, fine, that's fine. Give me an educated guess. So I looked at the jury and I said, I would say it was probably anywhere between 100 to 200 million years old. Well, the jury started laughing. I thought the judge, who was a very old individual, I thought was going to fall out of his chair. He was laughing so hard. And um, the, the attorney got all flustered. Now, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. But that was the question he asked. I've been waiting for that question my entire career. And what, what he meant, obviously, to say was uh, how old the installation was. But he didn't say it that way. He said how old the marble is. So. Um, just an, an, another interesting question and doing expert witnessing and inspections like I've been doing over the years, you learn, uh, you learn this, you, you learn to ask the question as it is asked. So if any of you guys ever get into a deposition, whether it's in this field or not, you want to basically answer the question as it's asked. You don't want to add any, any additional uh, information. So if you have a story to share, the number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. Again, my email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. You can send me an email during the show or afterwards. Uh, we can answer it at any time. I'll answer it on, the, on your question on the next show or share your story on the next show. Or, again, on Facebook, simply by going to Facebook and searching Stone Forensics and instant message me right now while I'm on the air. Okay, of the 30 or 40 stories I've written down here, and obviously I'm not going to be able to get through them all, um, i tell you one, a, a restoration story, which was kind of interesting, uh, not a legal story. This was a large hotel at one of the theme parks in Orlando, and they had just completed a convention center. And this convention center had about 15,000 square feet of terrazzo. And I was in the hotel, not in the convention center, doing some work over there. And the hotel manager who I was dealing with said, well, you know, you seem like a pretty knowledgeable guy. Uh, I want to go show you something next door to our brand new convention center. Now, keep in mind, this convention center hasn't even opened yet, doing the final, you know, final cleanup or touch-ups on it. So I walk over there, and it's, it's a red and white patterned uh, terrazzo, and he points to the edges. And the edges have, and I wish we were doing video radio here because I could show you this on a video, but uh, if you imagine all along the edges, there's this white haze, which looks like a white haze running all along the edges. Everywhere you look, there's this white haze. And I look at it, and you guys that have done Terrazzo probably know where I'm going here. And I looked at Adam, and I said, yeah, I can tell you exactly what's going on here. And he said, he looked me straight in the eye and laughed. 
I said, well, what's so funny? And he said, well, you can't tell me what happened there. He says, let me tell you why. And I said, okay, why? He said, well, the Terrazzo guys that installed this Terrazzo floor uh, went out of business, so we can't contact them. So we can't have them come back in and, and, and fix this issue. But what we did do is we hired an engineering firm to come in, and they came in, and they spent the day crawling on this floor. They were on their hands and knees with a microscope. They actually took some samples, some core samples of those edges, and they brought them back to the lab, and they analyzed them. I said, okay, and what was their conclusion? He says their conclusion was when they mixed the terrazzo, they didn't put enough dye in that area on the edges, and it wasn't dyed properly, so that's why it was light in color. And I started laughing again. I said, really? And if you don't mind me asking, how much did you pay those guys for that analysis? He says, oh, it was about, I think it was like about fifteen or $20,000 for the whole whole report. And I, I wasn't laughing now. I said, boy, did you get ripped off? And he goes, well, what do you mean we got ripped off? I said, I can tell you what it is. And he goes, what is it? And I says, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to show you. I says, can I have about 15 or 20 minutes? He said, sure. So I ran out to my truck. I grabbed my hand machine, grabbed some diamonds, and I took an area about, oh, I don't know, two, two and a half feet. And I put a 120 diamond on there, and I honed that area. Then I put a 400 on there, and I honed that area. And then I took some polishing powder, and I polished up. Bingo, the color came right back. So Mr. Hotel Manager comes back in after I called him, and he says, well, what did you do? Did you re-dye it? I said, no, I just... I just restored it the way it should have been done in the first place. He goes, what do you mean? I says, what you're seeing on these edges is poor workmanship. See, what they do is they, they grind this terrazzo down with a large machine, and they get on their hands and knees, and they do the edges with a smaller machine. And when they do that, what tends to happen is <laughs> it, it, it's a sloppy job. So he about fell out of his chair. And the good news is I was contracting at the time. As I ended up getting the work and made a pretty decent decent job and not only a decent job but I've, I had a lot of that theme parks work after after that um, so the, the and I see that you know not only you know with Terrazzo but uh, particularly with Terrazzo I mean no matter where I go whether I when I see a Terrazzo job if you look down the edges of the Terrazzo almost always you will see the honing marks you know with the, with the hand machine or you'll see that 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 light color so uh if you're not aware of that, lesson to be learned. In, in that same hotel, and this was kind of interesting too, and, and we're talking a long time ago. We're talking 20-some years ago when this happened. Um, he took me up top, and he had a, a bridge that went from one side of the building to the other side of the building, and it was composed of terrazzo with glass. Now, when I mean glass, I don't mean little glass inserts. You know that glass block you put in showers is probably, oh, I don't know, four inches by four inches or maybe six inches by six inches. Those glass blocks were actually installed in the floor into like a grid pattern. Uh, and then terrazzo poured over it. When they ground the terrazzo and the glass down, what had happened is they left all these scratches in the glass. You know, the reason being is most terrazzo guys only take their, their, their hone up to about an 80 grit and then they coat it with something. Well, when they stripped all the coating off, guess what? The glass was all scratched up. So that was my first introduction many years ago to how to refinish glass. And what I discovered, which was kind of interesting, is that the diamond abrasives that we use today were first used in the glass industry for polishing 
glass. So I got that lesson. So we basically took our diamonds that we normally used, we brought them up to a much higher grit on the glass, and the glass came out came out beautifully. Although keep in mind, I would not do that on your car windshield. It's a different different type type of glass altogether. All right, and my next story, I've only been through, what, two, three stories already. we got 30 of them here. As I said, we're not going to get through all of them. Um, this, I'm sure you contractors out there, whether you're in the restoration field, installation field, or, or fabricators running to, have run into this issue, but this was kind of a unique issue. This was a hotel lobby, a very famous chain hotel that had a flat stone floor on it, and contractor friend of mine got a call and they wanted me to come along because it was going to be a difficult difficult problem to solve and we got in and this flagstone floor had so much wax on it it was black i mean just dirty dirty black so they asked if we could come in and do a sample to show what it looks like they were going to have some kind of big convention or whatever so we went in there first thing we did is we went in with some normal you know strippers uh, and it did nothing. So my gut reaction was, well, we're dealing with probably a urethane-based floor finish here. Now, the problem is, if you've ever been in these hotels, oh, what the heck, I'll tell you what it was. There's an embassy suites. It's all open. So they got that garden area, and it's all open. So we, in order to remove urethanes, as, as you're aware, you probably have to have some pretty strong, nasty-smelling solvents. They wouldn't have that. We couldn't bring anything in there that had any kind of a strong odor to it. So we had a little alternative, and we did, and we found a product. Um, I don't remember whether it was Peel Away, but it's one of those safer, what they call safe strippers. I think I mentioned that on last week's show. And uh, we took an area, about a six-foot-by-six-foot area. We applied the stripper, and we let it sit for eight hours, okay, eight hours, and uh, ended up stripping it off. It came out beautiful. We took this black, what appeared to be a black, flagstone floor and it came out to be you know a tannish brownish color it came out beautiful i have the before and after pictures if you ever attend one of my seminars i'll probably show it uh it's a real good example but that that's not the story i mean that that's not the the war story the funny part of the story so i go in next day with the owner of the company who's going to do all this work after we've discovered how to do it and oh wait before before i say that let me back up and say this we calculated what our costs were going to be, and we figured to strip the entire lobby based on the small area we did, our chemical cost alone, our cost, that does not include labor, does not include anything else, but our direct cost for the chemicals alone were going to be about $5,000. Okay, so with that knowledge, we go in, we meet with the hotel manager. She comes up, she greets us, and the first thing she says is this floor came out so beautiful. She says, I have to tell you, I've had 10, maybe a dozen companies in here that tried to make this floor look good and no one can do it. And so we're, you know, proud as peacocks. Yeah, this is what we did, blah, 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 blah. She goes, okay, now, you ready for this? This is, this is the good part of the story. Now, she looks straight at the owner of the company and she says to him, I hope you're not going to tell me that you're one of these companies that's going to charge me as much as $500 to fix this floor. And I, 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 walked, I walked away. I was laughing so hard I walked away. She was dead serious. She thought we could go in there and strip all this urethane off there for $500. And it's funny because the owner of the company, he's a good friend of mine, looked her right in the eye and said, no, ma'am, we're not. He turned around and walked right out. 
Well, long story short, they were having a, a big company convention there or whatever, and they needed that floor to look good. And he eventually did get the job and made a, a decent decent profit on it. So um, another lesson learned. I guess the lesson I learned there, or the, the contract I learned there, is that uh, probably should have given them an idea of what it was going to take price-wise before we spent. I mean, we spent eight hours on that floor, at least eight hours on that floor, probably more with a crew of about four or five people. So, you know, it was a lot of man hours in there. Um, let me give you my telephone number here again if you want to call in and share a story with us. 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. And as I said, it doesn't have to be a story if you have a question concerning marble, granite, any kind of stone or tile, uh, just simply give us a call and we'll be happy to try to help you out or send me an email at fhouston at gmail.com or again, uh, instant message me on my Facebook page at Stone Forensics and be more than happy to uh, answer your call. All right, let me go down uh, my list here again. All right, um, uh, this one happened again a really long time ago back when I was uh, first in business and I, I got a call from this lady and she calls and she said, you know, Fred, I've got a white marble floor and I'm beginning to see numbers coming up through the floor. And I'm like, excuse me, what, what do you mean by numbers? She goes, I'm just sitting there in my living room and I look over at the tile and I see like a number seven and I see a number 23 over here. And they're very light in color, but I don't know where these numbers are coming from. So I almost told her she needed to see an exorcist, not, not a stone guy. But uh, I said, okay, I can swing by on my way to my office tomorrow morning, and we'll take a look at it. I walk in, and she has a white Thassos floor, 12 by 12, white Thassos floor. Any of you that work with Thassos know it's a very uh, stark white, kind of, kind of translucent in a way. And uh, sure enough, almost every tile had a number coming up from them. Come to find out that either her the contractor or the installer took a black magic marker and numbered the back of the tiles for whatever reason. They installed them, and it took about six months for those letters, those numbers, the, the ink from the magic marker to start bleeding through into the uh, top of the stone. So we went in there, and we put some poultices in there. I think we used some methylene chloride at first, and the lesson I learned on that one, that was one of my first big poultice jobs, is that uh, how do you charge for those type of things? Because I took 15 applications uh, to pull that out. Thank goodness it only took me a few minutes. Uh, each time I went by, I was on my way to, to the office. But if that was an out-of-town job, so what I advise contractors to do now when they run into a situation where they don't know how many poultices that need to be applied is to simply show the customer how to apply the poultice. Charge them upfront fee. You know, I call an evaluation. We'll come in. We'll evaluate the stain. We'll, we'll apply a, a poultice, giving you the right mixture, and then we'll show you how to do it because it could take numerous applications to pull that stain out. So that's that's one of my funny, I guess it's kind of funny, uh, uh, stain, stain stories. All right. Next one is, let's see, which one do I want? Because I'm definitely not going to get through, through all of these here. Um Oh, this one came from not me, but from a student of mine. I was teaching a repair class, and we were doing a countertop repair, and we were showing people how to take scratches out of a granite countertop. So, you know, what we call spot polishing, those of you that do it know what I'm talking about. And you know, we were using Black Absolute, which 
as you know, is probably one of the most difficult materials to top polish, and that's why I use choose that material, simply because if you can master that, you can master just about any kind of granite surface. So class went well. This gentleman, you know, went and uh, did his thing, started his business, or continued with his business or whatever, and um, about a month later, I get a call from him, and this is what he said happened to him, which is which is really funny. He said, Fred, I was doing a black absolute countertop for this lady. She had, you know, a scratch in it. And I was in there and I, I had a heck of a time getting this scratch out. And when I got done, there was kind of a dip where I was doing the, the polish, but it, it, unless you touched it, you really couldn't tell it was there. I said, oh, okay. So uh, what, 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 what's the question you have? And he goes, well, it's not a question. He says, it's kind of a comment said the lady walks in she looks at it and she goes oh my god she goes this looks beautiful i can't believe you did such a good job and then she ran her hand across the countertop and she felt the dip and she goes oh my god well how come it's dipping like this without a beat <laughs> he reaches in the lady's refrigerator opens the door pulls out an egg sits it on the countertop and says we've turned it into an egg holder that's so eggs don't roll off your countertop I swear that's a true story, and if you knew this individual that uh, <laughs> that uh, told me this story, you'll believe him because he's one of those guys that can sell rain jackets to a duck, and she bought it, he said. So I thought that was that was a funny, funny story. Uh, another one I had a while ago was uh, I got a call from a very fancy house on one of the developments in Orlando, and uh, they said, we have some marble columns, some green marble columns. And they're, they, they're, they're really in bad shape. One in particular is in really, really bad shape. And we need you to come in and take a look and see what can be done. So I walk in and I see marble columns. This, was, this room was like a big rotunda. It had like a circular area around and there were these columns, et cetera, all in there. And I'm looking at some of the columns and you know they, they look fine they're a little dusty and you know I'm, I'm rubbing my hand up and down them and I come to this other column towards the back of the room and it's all the only the only way I can describe it it looks runny and I felt it and I'm like oh my god this isn't marble it was a wood column that they painted to make it look like the rest of the real marble column so they had a few of these in there well what happened is the the maid went ahead and used a marble polish it was not not a 5x polish or anything like that that we're used to using but you know a cream polish which is basically a wax with mineral spirits in it and she stripped the paint off the wood columns so i said well i don't think there's anything i can do what you have to do is call a faux finisher back in here and have them repaint these columns because this column here and a few of your other columns here are not marble columns they are actually wood columns so and i've actually run into that more than once which is it's quite amazing and some of these faux artists i uh, happen to know a faux, art, faux artist that, that's very good at that and uh some of them do an excellent job i mean it, it's so good that you can't tell uh it's the real thing unless you actually touch it and generally the way to find out is to touch it tap on it and feel it marble will have that i, I feel like i can't describe it's kind of a cold uh, solid feel to it where, you know, a, a wood surface is going to have a wood feel to it. It's going to feel like a warmer, warmer uh, type, type, uh, type, type feeling to it. So, okay. 
another war story. Oh, this is an interesting one. This was a um, one that I had a little bit of a, a argument with the building owners on. And I got a call. This was for a sign, an outdoor sign. The sign was about 20 feet long, maybe about five foot high. And both sides of the sign. And the call was, we have a granite sign. And we have our boss is coming in or whatever. And we, you know, it looks a little bit, it looks bad. It's dull. It's gray in color. And we need to know if you can come out and take a look at it and polish it up and make it look brand new again. So I said, sure, no problem. So I hop in my van, I go out there and I take a look at it and I'm examining it. And I, again, I wish this was video radio cause I could show you the photograph. Um, and I go back in and I said, on the phone, you told me this was a granite sign, right? And she goes, oh, yeah. I go, are you sure? She goes, well, yeah, because before I called you, I pulled the invoice out and to see what it was. And I said, can I see the invoice? And she said, yeah. And sure enough, on the invoice, it said 12 by 12, black absolute granite. They charged her something like 16 bucks a foot for the material alone. That doesn't include the installation. And this was not granite. It was a black agglomerate. Now, if you saw the photograph, you would see that there was some irrigation there. So there were some sprinklers that, that were putting some calcium deposits on the sign. But where the sprinklers weren't hitting, the material had turned completely gray. And in some cases, it was so bad that it literally was falling apart. Again, and I know I've discussed this on some of my other shows, you cannot use a polyester-based material in a UV sun. This being in Florida, you've got a really high UV index, and uh, it basically just destroyed the agglomerate. Well, we told them we could put a Band-Aid on it, and we did. We went in there. We honed it up. Uh, we used a color enhancer on it. It looked beautiful for about three months. And after about three months, it started it started fading again. And I told them, eventually, you're going to have to replace this sign with whatever you want, but this material is not. I never heard from them uh, after that. I went by the building every day on the way to the office, and I could see it slowly fading away. But, of course, I told them it was going to do that. I put that in writing on my initial, initial proposal, but uh, they were quite happy, and I'm surprised they didn't sue the – installer for selling them a bill of goods because it's a conglomerate at the time you could buy for 99 cents a foot at you know anywhere and uh, they were charging them 16 bucks just for the material uh, that doesn't include the installation and everything else so they definitely got ripped off and you'd be surprised uh, that happens more often than not now that I'm out of the contracting business and basically doing inspections and training some of the stuff I see is just it's pitiful I was telling someone today that I was down in West Palm Beach not too long ago, and I do a lot of work in the South Miami, uh, you know, South Florida area because of all the homes that have all the stone in it. And even in a $40 million home, the craftsmanship stinks. It's really, really bad. These people are getting ripped off. You know, kind of a, a, a recent story, which isn't a war story, but maybe for the consumer it was a war story, was um, there was this lady that, that uh, was suing the installation company for a really, really bad um, 
install. So I went there, did the inspection, and you know, I basically told her that if she wanted, without getting into the story, basically told told her that if she wants to uh, uh, just clean us up a little bit, to call a restoration company and have them do a quick polish on it, replace some of the grout, et cetera, et cetera. And I get a call back from her about four months later, and she said, "I had that done, and I'm not really happy with what the 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 company did." Now, where do you hear this? They charged her. Now, this was about a 5,000-square-foot floor. They charged her $80,000 to repair the floor, which was basically honing it and polishing it and replacing some grout. And to top it off, she, was, it was, she hired this person through her interior designer, which put, obviously, some money on top of that. So she got majorly ripped off, especially – especially in the South Florida market. For those of you in the South Florida market know that that particular market is, uh, you know, you can, you can get more, your marble polish there for less than a dollar a square foot. So she got majorly ripped off. I guess sometimes that's what keeps me in business, but you know, on the other hand, it's, it's sad to see people, no matter how much money they have to get ripped off like that. All right. I'm going to throw the phone numbers out there. Uh, one more time. That is, uh, Three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. That's three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. If you have a question, a story, or a comment, or uh, whatever, be more than happy to listen to it. If you want to send me an email, it's fhouston at gmail dot com. Or as I said, you can send me an instant message on Facebook. Just go ahead and search for Stone Forensics. And by the way, um, if you are on Facebook. I do have a group there called the Stone Inspection slash Forensic Forum, which you have to be invited to if you're interested in seeing the stuff that we talk about on there. And it's it's primarily failures. Um, and go ahead and 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 send me an in or send go go to that. Just go to web your uh, Facebook page. Type in Stone Inspection, and you'll that'll come up and it'll ask you to join. And I'll accept you, and you can see what we do. We do a Failure Friday every Friday, showing a different failure, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So um, uh, feel free to go ahead and do that. All right. Um, let me tell you one of my. Uh, this is kind of a. Uh, Nah, I don't know if you call it funny or not. Some of you may find it funny, but uh, it has to do with a celebrity. And I'll tell you who the celebrity is because, uh, well, I'll tell you, just tell you the story and you'll get it. We did a, a fountain. Uh, it was a made of coral stone. Those of you familiar with coral stone, and this coral stone was on a fountain. And on top of the fountain was a, a big pond area, or I should say like a, a bowl area where the water would pour into and flow over, and it was copper. And somebody got the bright idea to clean all the green gunk off the copper, and they did. And when they did, they flushed it down the fountain, and it left this green gook inside the coral stone. Those of you familiar with coral stone know that it's very porous and it's very brittle, et cetera. So we had to come up with a way to clean it. So we're in the middle of this hotel lobby, and, you know, we have scaffolding all set up because it went up fairly high. And, uh, you know, we're cleaning it off. And by the way, we, we discovered that if we used a 300 PSI pressure washer, we could get most of it out without destroying a lot of the stone, although we did manage to break some stone doing that. And I'm sitting there talking to my guys as they're doing the work, and I get down off the scaffolding, and I'm kind of looking back to see what the job is looking like. And there's this gentleman standing next to me, and he's sitting there looking at what we're doing. And I strike up a conversation with him, and I'm like, God, this guy looks really, really familiar. 
it was John Ritter with Reese Company. And obviously before he died, uh, but uh, it was kind of interesting. He had nothing else to do. And I didn't realize who it was until after I had left. And one of my guys said, oh, you were talking to John Ritter. I go, I was. And then it dawned on me, oh, yeah, well, that was kind of interesting. But through the years, I'm sure a lot of you have run into celebrities, especially if you're doing, uh, you know, work in a lot of these fancy homes and met many, many celebrities, some of them nice, some of them not so nice. But you know, anyway, all right, let me tell you my OK, this is this one's kind of funny. This is a story for you gentlemen out there. Sorry, ladies, but you'll get this when I'm done with the story. Let me get a drink here. Clear my throat and you married gentlemen who are out there and you gentlemen with girlfriends. This is the reason you tell your girlfriends and your wife's why you look at other women. Another major theme park, they had a pool, big use swimming pool in this hotel, huge, humongous. And it was capped with ceramic tile. And of course, the ceramic tile had all this white calcium deposits on the top of it, and they wanted it cleaned off. And I said, sure, no problem. I went out there, but let me do a test first to make sure we can clean it off. And typically, what do you use to clean calcium off a tile like that? You use an acid, uh, primarily hydrochloric acid. So I go out there. I set up my little area, set up some cones. And this is in the middle of the day. People are still swimming in the pool, so I had to be careful. And I take my acid and, you know, I pour it on the, on the tile, and it doesn't fizz or bubble. I take it, and I scrub it really hard. It still doesn't fizz and bubble. I rinse it away, and the calcium is still there. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I'm thinking, well, maybe my guys are playing a trick on me right now. And, you know, they, they switched out the acid bottle for, you know, water or whatever. So kind of take a quick whiff of the acid, and lo and behold, no, no, it's, it's acid. So I'm sitting there on my five-gallon bucket thinking, and I look over and I see these two ladies in bikinis applying suntan lotion. And, of course, I looked, and all of a sudden when I did, a light bulb went off in my head. And I said, oh, I know exactly what's going on. So I ran back to my truck. I grabbed an alkaline stripper, and I first stripped the tile with the alkaline stripper, and then hit it with the acid and it cleaned right off. So I get, I, I'm assuming you guys can guess what, what happened. What happened was the oil from the suntan oils, what's oil do? Floats on, the, floats on water. It was coating the top of the tile. So it was actually protecting the, uh, the calcium from the, from, the, uh, from the acid. So by cleaning it off with a good degreaser or an alkaline cleaner and then hitting it with an acid, that's what you have to do in order to... Uh, uh, to get it. So it was a two-step process, but we ended up getting the job, but I thought it was kind of interesting. So gentlemen, use that story if you want. You have my, you have my, have my blessing. All right. One last time I will give out the phone number, and then I'm going to tell you one last story, and then we're going to sign off for now. Uh, the number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Just uh, pick up the phone and call. If you have a story to share, a comment, a question, or whatever, or again, send me an email at fhouston at gmail.com, or go ahead and uh, send me an instant message on, on Facebook. And again, send a question all through the week. You don't have to do it now. It'd be nice to do it now, but if you don't have to do it now, uh, we'll go ahead and put it on, uh, answer your question on the air 
next week because I will be here as far as I can tell every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So spread the word, tell your friends or whatever. And again, as always, you can listen to the show on on the archives as well. All right, let me look through my list here and see if I can find one good last last story to, to tell you. Um, uh, how about we tell you the one about engineers? Now, those of you guys who are engineers out there, um, don't take offense to this, but you guys tend to be very particular. I get a call one day from uh, a gentleman who just had a countertop installed. And he's quite upset. And he ordered this particular granite. I'll tell you what he said in a second. And he's upset because he didn't get what he paid for, and he thinks he was overcharged. And for you fabricators out there, you want to really listen to the story in case you ever run into this. And I said, okay, well, tell me what the problem is. He said, well, I had an Uber tube countertop. I specifically asked for 3CM material. And they did a fairly good job installing it, but... I took out a pair of calipers, and when I measured the countertop, it was only 25 to 26 centimeters. Now, there's 30 centimeters or 30 – yeah, let me get this right now. And a 3CM material, there is uh, – oh, I've got to get my math right here. Yeah, 10, 10 – 100 millimeters. Is that 100 millimeters? Well, whatever. It was off by – a minor amount and he was upset that he didn't get his total 3cm he only got you know 0.28 rather than three and i kind of said uh, okay and i went to the mia manual and you look at the in the mi marble institute of america's manual there are tolerances in there and the tolerances say that 3cm and 2cm material should be a nominal measurement and what I mean by a nominal measurement is it can be plus or minus. And I've seen 3CM material that was a little thicker, and I've seen 3CM that was a little thinner. So I had to tell him this. He thought he wasn't getting his money's worth because it said 3CM and he didn't get a full 3CM. Now, that's somebody who's really, really, really nitpicky. So whatever. So I'll end with that story. I got through maybe a dozen of them. Uh, I've got dozens and dozens more. As I said, uh, if you want to send a story in for me to share, call me next week. We're about to wrap things up. Again, send me an email at fhuston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Send it anytime. I can answer your question throughout throughout the week, uh, or we'll go ahead and answer it on, on next week's show. So I'll see everybody next week. Have a great weekend and a great rest of the week. This is Fred Houston signing off.